0: situation. He took a pitch in the back, he got beamed for crying out loud. Heart we used heart attack. Please. Managers on a Major League Baseball team don't make decisions! Don't that. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Germans Bob Pearl Harbor? The castration of the Major League Baseball managers, we know it. Ask me about
1: my win, So the latest you hear in, I guess, contract negotiations as we're talking about Kyrie Irving and his pending free agency, which by the way, Kyrie Irving as the basketball player should be on a max contract playing for whatever team he wants and having that sort of commitment set in stone as he's leading his team to championships. That's in an ideal world if we're judging Kyrie Irving by his talent and his ability to play basketball. But all the other things that have come in and been a distraction, including a subpar performance with the Dallas Mavericks team, which coming into the season, you're wondering how he's even playing for them. Now, I don't think Kyrie Irving has earned a right to dictate his terms, whether it's that max deal that he's looking for. Obviously, he wants to get paid as much as possible. He wants that big time deal to get paid as the number one star. He hasn't earned that. And for him to basically make a public call for LeBron James to join him in Dallas, it's it's something that at the very least is 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 something that could be determined disrespectful. So the next thing I want to talk about, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about Kyrie Irving. Uh, You look at the NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup Finals, and I've heard a take where we look at the quote-unquote number eight seed as if it's some kind of big Cinderella story, most notably in hockey. We're looking at the Florida Panthers like they're they're this big shocker. Um, Didn't have one of the 16 best records or most point totals in the National Hockey League coming into this season, and because of that, are kind of looked at as an outsider that made the playoffs and is on this ceremonious, uh, historical Cinderella type of run. Now, what they've done deserves a ton of credit, but you're looking at a team that just a year ago had the most points in the Eastern Conference and you know 122 points that were ousted in the first round. You know, this is a team that is, it's not like it came out of nowhere. Yes, their record this year, Left a little to be, be desired, but is in no case a Cinderella story. Nor is the Miami Heat, and it's a little, a little bit easier to explain the Miami Heat, a team that just what four years ago was in the NBA Finals um, last year in the Eastern Conference Finals, lost to the Boston Celtics. So whether they're ranked seventh or eighth or third or second, it really doesn't matter. You know that's a good squad, a well-run organization from Pat Riley to Eric Spolstra down. Now, when it comes to baseball, we think of shortstops being kind of the elite position. And one of the better discussions you used to have is in the beginning of the ninth, of the 2000s, when you're talking about the best shortstops in baseball. Now, you had Alex Rodriguez, you had Nomar Parra, of course, Derek Jeter, Miguel Tejada, you know, a handful of others. But they all had different attributes when you're talking about, them being elite in their own right. Obviously, Derek Jeter was the winner of the Intangible Award. Alex Rodriguez, at the time, had the most power. And, of course, at some point, Jeter and A-Rod end up becoming teammates with the Yankees. So, you're looking at the crop of shortstops that's out there now, and you have one playing for the New York Mets, another one playing for the Philadelphia Phillies, both of whom started their career with other organizations. You know, Francisco Lindor, long time playing for the Cleveland Indians at the time. And of course, Trey Turner, drafted by the Padres, traded to the Nationals in, in a deal where he ends up becoming their full-time shortstop for a while before he was dealt to the Los Angeles Dodgers for the last year and a half. And obviously, there's going to be biasness uh, when it comes to which player is better. Who's better, Lindor? Trey Turner probably has something to do with what kind of fan you are. You know, if you if you root for the New York Mets, you're probably more inclined to be a Lindor fan, or you you might be an anti-Lindor fan if you're if you're a Mets a Mets fan. You know, there's Mets fans that just hate their own players, and they may assume that Trey Turner in some way, shape, or form is better. Philly fans are gonna make the case that Trey Turner is probably overall better player. Now I think you can break down both of these players in regards to different things that they bring to the table. I think Lindor, for a from a power standpoint, has more home run power. I think has more big hit power. Um, you look at his RBI totals, and it's not a. I don't think it's a uh, coincidence that his hits produce more runs. He's more of a run producer than Trey Turner is. Trey Turner, on the other hand. Is the elite stolen base player, um, the better base runner, um, the better table setter, is going to hit for a higher average, and you know for for all those factors, those are all advantages towards Trey Turner. Now Francisco Lindor is an elite defensive shortstop. Trey Turner is a good defensive shortstop. Now, you, you know you ask yourself, hey, you want elite or do you want very good? Um, I'm probably going to lean towards Lindor. He he is probably more of the uh, gold glove, platinum glove type of player. The leader of a defense. And then you look at Turner, who I think is a very good piece for the Philadelphia Phillies. And one of the things I'd look at is Lindor fits the Mets better. And Trey Turner fits the Phillies better. Now, you look at both of these teams And the expectation is that both of these teams are supposed to be playoff teams, and they're not right now. The Phillies are under 500. The Mets are struggling to remain at 500 as they go on a road trip to play the Braves and the Pirates. And it will be a shocker if they came out of this road trip with a winning record for the season. So you're looking at two teams with high expectations, and some of the blame from the fans' perspective is going to be put on each one of these respective players. Lindor, one of the faces of the New York Mets. So if the Mets are winning and succeeding, he's going to get a ton of accolades and credit. Uh, now it's it's looked at as he is letting the team down, which certainly is not true. And then you look at the, the Phillies who made the offseason acquisition, a $300 million investment in Trey Turner, and their record isn't where they're supposed to be. They were a good team last year. They made it to the World Series last year without Trey Turner. Now they're in a spot this season where there are several games under 500. So fans are going to blame Trey Turner for that. Um, I look at both of these players still as top players in the game and players that really are going to be a driving force for their teams turning things around. I expect the Mets and I expect the Phillies to both be back towards their playoff expectations and it's just going to be a matter of time before that ends up coming together. So before I get into or as I get into today's saving sports history segment of the Past Ball Show, we had a uh, unfortunate recent passing of a baseball player that had a tremendous impact on the sport. I remember growing up watching Roger Craig First, as the pitching coach for the Detroit Tigers, as they won the World Series in 1985. I'm sorry, 84, and then later as the San Francisco Giants manager, that helped lead the team to the World Series in 1989. Of course, they didn't win the Bay the Bay Area World Series, um, marred by the earthquake, which happened in the beginning of Game Three, but. Roger Craig is a, a longtime Major League Baseball pitcher, a three-time World Series champion as a pitcher, first as a rookie with the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1959, then with the Los Angeles Dodgers in 1959, and then ended up joining the New York Mets, one of the worst teams in baseball history. Lost 24 games, but was their opening day starter. Went out there, took the ball every single time for a team that ended up losing 120 games for Casey Stengel with the Mets in 1962. And then in 1964, he ends up pitching for the St. Louis Cardinals, a team that won the World Series, but almost in a miraculous fashion. They were trailing the Philadelphia Phillies by several games late in September. They had already made the decision to fire manager Johnny Keene after the season. The Phillies collapsed. And that coincided with the Cardinals winning some games. And they used that momentum to not only win the National League pennant in 1964, but beat the New York Yankees in the World Series. Little side note to that. Johnny Keene ends up being let go as the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals in spite of winning the World Series championship. He ends up being hired by the New York Yankees for the next season in 1965. By 1966, is out of baseball and not that long after died at a very young age. But going back to Craig, he parlays his solid baseball career, three-time World Series championship as a pitcher, into being a coach, a pitching coach, ends up becoming a Padres, San Diego Padres manager in 1978. Uh, after that, he joins the Detroit Tigers st- uh, coaching staff under Sparky Anderson, where he becomes one of the better-known pitching coaches in baseball history, he ends up being known for teaching pitchers the forkball. Um, Jack Morris, amongst others, end up benefiting from the pitch, and really um, was probably uh, you know if you think of Leo Mazzoni and his impact on the Brave staffs for a long time, um, you could think of some very good pitching coaches in the game today and right now. Roger Craig was that. And he parlayed that into getting the job as the manager of the San Francisco Giants, a position he held for over seven years. And like I stated earlier, he made it to the World Series as the manager for the Giants in 1989, a World Series marred by the earthquake, and a four-game sweep at the hands of the Oakland Athletics. Now, you know Roger Craig, 93 years old. I don't like to really throw people's ages out there when they die. And, you know, when I go through my uh, births and deaths and stuff like that, I never mention age when somebody dies. But, you know, this is a person that spent well over 50 years in baseball. And is somebody that I remember as, as a kid kind of looking up to, saying, hey, he was a manager, one of the few managers at the time that I knew was a former major league pitcher. And part of my youth is gone. So rest in peace to the to me, the incomparable coach, manager, and pitcher Roger Craig. Um, As we're in the Saban Sports History segment, today in 1934, and of course today is the sixth day of June 2023, so in 1934 on this day, Merrill Hogue of the New York Yankees had six hits, all singles in a game. 1944, World War II was officially ended D-Day in France, so Major League Baseball made the decision to cancel all of its scheduled games. 1946, the Basketball Association of America, the precursor to the NBA, was formed. 1966, the NFL and the AFL merged in one of the historic things to happen in the history of professional football. 1976, it was the Boston Celtics winning another NBA championship over the Phoenix Suns, winning four games to two. In 1986, uh, 17-year-old Steffi Graff beats Martina Nevatalova for her first um, Grand Slam title, winning the French Open. And You look at 1992, five years later, it was Monica Sellis beating Steffi Graff for a French Open title. 1999, Andre Agassi wins the French Open. 2007, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks win the Stanley Cup four games to one over the Ottawa Senators. 2015, Serena Williams wins their third French Open and 20th Grand Slam. 2017, Scooter Jeanette becomes the 17th Major League Baseball player to hit four home runs in one game. Births on this day, the sixth day of June, Bill Dickey was born on this day in 1907. Bobby Mitchell, Hall of Fame running back um, for the Browns and the Redskins, was born on this day in 1935. Legendary tennis player Bjorn Borg was born on this day in 1956. Cam Neely, Hockey Hall of Famer, was born on this day in 1965. 1911, we lost one of the premier sluggers in baseball history in the, 18th, in the 19th century, Charlie Jones. He died on this day in 1911. Uh, Louis Chevrolet, auto racer and obviously the uh, one of the founders of Chevrolet, which we know as one of the major car distributors in the world, uh, passed away on this day in 1941. Eddie Stanky, longtime MLB second baseman and manager, was on that 1947 Dodgers team when Jackie Robinson made his MLB debut, passed away on this day in 1999, and Alfred Red shandy's passed away on this day in 2018, longtime MLB second baseman, baseball Hall of Famer, and major league manager who led the St. Louis Cardinals to a World Series championship in 1967. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPaeli.com, by St. Alwich's Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located at in Scranton, Pennsylvania. If you're interested in hearing me flop my app mouth, you can check me out on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. Chris
0: Bryant was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening. department smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the
1: friggin' World Series? I was gonna listen to that, but then I
0: just carried on it and whatnot. I may come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. That'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either gonna hit a home run or I'm gonna strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude who's lame, a dude disguised as another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. Uh. Side of the spectrum, they're on. Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or
1: went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100% unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing
0: at them. They put their tail between their legs, decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could
1: have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.